0: Thank you for joining me here at The Professor Notes. Grab a drink and sit down and let's have a chat. And when we're done, feel free to join me over at theprofessornotes.com and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. It's been a while, but we're back with a Professor Notes podcast. This one came from a conversation that was started on Twitter with Dominic and Jim Lamb and myself as we were having a discussion about civil liberties and students and random drug testing, canine searches, those sorts of things. Uh, We're also three people that really love technology and using technology in education, so we talk a little bit about that. And, you know, surprisingly, we have some technology challenges in this podcast. So I'm going to leave it as is. Sit back, listen to it, and hopefully you'll get something out of it, and feel free to let us know what you think of civil liberties and students. Well, welcome again to another Professor Notes chat. It's a privilege this time for me to have uh, Dominic Salvucci and Jim Lamb. Uh, we had a discussion Recently about some civil liberties issues, and we thought we'd move it over to a podcast But before we jump into that, uh, why don't we start with you, Dom? If you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background
1: Oh, I'm um, a teacher here in western Pennsylvania I did work in private industry for a few years, and I've worked in private schools sub for a few years, and now I teach social studies half day And I am uh, Classrooms for the Future coach integrating technology into the classroom the other half of the day
0: Real quick, what sort of technologies are you looking to bring into the classroom?
1: Uh, We're trying to incorporate, we're getting several sets of laptop uh, computers for the kids to use. Teachers are getting uh, PolyVision boards and laptops. and just trying to integrate uh, Web 2.0 technology efficiently into the classroom and having the kids use it. Try to focus more, and Jim can uh, elaborate on this even more, focus on learning more than the technology. But in the first couple years, it's going to be really technology-based to get the kids used to a lot of this.
0: Well, that sounds pretty cool. And Jim, uh, how about you?
2: Uh, well, I've been uh, teaching for six years now, a high school math teacher in uh, Anvil Cleona. I'm also a graduate of Millerfield University where I went for my degree Uh, since then I've also taken over as the Classrooms for the Future coach in our school district as well and and the big thing with the uh, Classrooms for the Future is it's not just about the technology it's about uh, helping improve education and make making sure that we're giving the education to our students to help them be prepared for today's world so we're really working on 21st century skills of being able to collaborate uh, take uh, information that you get from one place and turn it into something new so that's what we're really looking for with uh, Classrooms for the Future.
0: That's really kind of cool I've I've mentioned before, uh, and, and on my blog I think I've mentioned, I'm playing with technologies a lot, and, and I look at how technologies aren't just cool technologies, but how they're going to either improve the education that the students get, or in my case, make it so that uh, they're getting the same level or better education, and freeing me up to do other things, you know, like research, that I can then bring back to the classroom. So I love the fact you guys are bringing all this technology there. Well, it, it, we, we had this discussion at the end of last week, uh, my son's high school had the second uh, canine search in about three weeks. And they send this automatic voice message, goes out to everybody, the parents telling us that uh, there's a, a canine search, a, a scheduled uh, random canine search that's going on. The students are in lockdown and that they're going to be locked into the classroom for two hours as the, uh, the school conducts this. And you know, my joke was a canine search, well, have they found any dogs yet? <laughs> uh, and the funny thing was this The second one, my son was on a field trip And so he got my text message Because I usually tell him when they're doing it Because he oftentimes doesn't know why they're in lockdown So I gave him a text message And he said, yeah, uh, they're going to be checking us out too They think somebody has a puppy under their jacket <laughs> 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 He's got a pretty good sense of humor uh, But we ended up The three of us had this conversation going on on Twitter uh, I, I started with the position that it, it seems to me a violation that's in some sense, it may be legal, but it seems a violation of some sense of civil liberties of students, uh, that, that they're locking them in a room and 2,600 students are being detained while they search for what has historically been anywhere from 10 to 12 students uh, when they find something. And you guys had some opinions on that. Uh, Jim, why don't we start off with you? What were your thoughts on, on the, the civil liberties of students?
2: Well, it, it, the, the big thing about it is is the schools have the uh, right of in loco parentis, which basically means in place of the parent, where they, they have to do some things in order to make sure that they're giving the best possible education to the students as well as offering a lot of security. So if every once in a while they have to do a drug search just to try to say, hey, we are aware that there is a problem here in the school, we're trying to do things about it, I, I really have no problem against that. When I was in high school, uh, we would have them probably once a month. I ended up not thinking anything else about them. It just gave me a little bit longer time in one classroom and less time in another. But in the in the long run, it didn't affect me uh, directly because I, I didn't do drugs. I didn't have to worry about any of those things. Uh, so I mean, in the long run, it's like, hey, well, maybe this could help get help to some of these other kids that are in the uh, drug program.
0: Well, we, you talk about it in Look Apprentice, and you know, one of the things that I find interesting is they, they're acting as if they're me, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we know they're not. Uh, and unfortunately, because you know, you know, I, I, I guess I have to have my kids in a, in a public school or in a school, uh, I, they're acting essentially without necessarily my consent because I have at no point an opportunity to, to retract that. Uh, but you know, setting that aside, you know, I, for me, I'm looking at it going, if it's 10 to 15 students that they catch, is it, is it fair to the other 2,585 students that, that their day is limited because in this particular case their class times got reduced in many instances down to fifteen minutes for the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a, a slippery slope, but in you know, if you don't address the fifteen, then they could disrupt a larger
3: group and 10 to fifteen to 10. So I mean it's, 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 it's a lot
2: of
0: the Hey Dom I, I think you dropped Dropped out. Uh, Jim, do you hear him okay? Uh, slightly. Okay, so he, he dropped hey, you you dropped out. Dog on it and you were making some good points. You're better now. No You're barely there.
3: Okay, I don't know what happened. Um I didn't change any uh, well what I was saying the liability issue. And also with a small
1: group of people, they could Theoretically, be more disruptive
3: or just as disruptive as the search to a larger, because even though you're only getting 10 to 15, the search could be an exponential disruption if you don't take care of it. You know, if there's an issue, they don't address it. That opens them up to liabilities.
0: Hey, Dom, you came back briefly, and I'm wondering if you got a short. Are you wearing a headset?
1: No. Um, I'm actually using. You're, a, you're back again. Back. At, okay. Huh, okay now? Yeah, you're good now. Okay. With um, the points I brought up, I don't know how how well the sound quality was on them, but you have a liability issue. If the school knows that there's a problem and they they don't address it and something happens, then they're opening themselves up to lawsuits. But also, and I I know where you're coming from with this because I really am a big fan of civil liberties and, and personal freedom, but you have to... The, the 10 to 15 they catch can have a bigger or just as much of a disruption as the search and even a more negative disruption if this issue isn't addressed. So it, it's a, a fine line that the schools walk. It's probably not the best way, but it's
2: a tool that they have. And uh, and. If- and to piggyback a little bit off what you said there, Dom, if if we let those 10 to 15 students go and then all these other students are saying, well, you know what? They're not doing anything about it. Maybe I could try and then that could lead to a larger problem where the kids are like, okay, well, I tried the drugs out just because I knew I could get away with it. Now I'm addicted. Now I can't stop either. Now we've got a larger problem within the school.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that yeah, we, we look at it as potentially the the domino effect, and you know, we kind of fall back into – I'm probably the oldest guy here, unfortunately. But you know, we fall back into the uh, the discussion of are these entry drugs and, and those sorts of things. But uh, you know, one of the things that, that I found interesting is what they're doing is they're searching lockers. I mean, the dogs are running up and down the halls sniffing out lockers. And when they did it three weeks ago, I was told that they caught only freshmen. And the the hidden text here that I'm catching from other sources – Is Well, yeah, once, you know, the the freshmen are the ones who don't know, you keep it in your backpack because your backpack goes with you into the classroom and they don't check the classrooms.
2: (laughs) Yeah, at my my school district, we've actually had uh, some drug searches as well. But what we've done is instead of having them just search the lockers, all the kids have to put all their bags out in the hallway as well. So that those get searched as well. So, I mean, there's really no chance to actually hide anything. And and as we make that announcement, kids, you need to take your bags out into the hallway. We look to see if the students are actually trying to take anything out and uh, put it in their pockets or whatever. So we've got a lot. I know at our school, that's the process we use to help keep looking at that. So, And there's even times where we'll actually do our, our searches during an assembly. All the kids leave their bags in, the, in their classrooms. They get locked up in the classroom so if, you know no one's getting in and out of them. But the big idea here is the bags are there and they're being searched as well. And it's not uh, disrupting the day if we're doing it during an assembly.
0: So you guys are are there in the, in the trenches, if you will, day in and day out. And I and I don't see these sorts of problems certainly at the university level. I mean, I know they're there. I just don't live in the dorms. <laughs> and uh, so, what I'm wondering as you as you go through the day, what sort of disruptions are you seeing with uh, drug use or with students who are using drugs? You
3: well, we have
1: kids that I mean, even you can't prove drug use. So that's a very a, a, but. With kids with on
3: regular medication, prescription medication, you know, for um, ADHD and stuff. we lose kids throughout the day because the medication is regulated and we have illegal drugs uh, that are disruptive. But I look at it from the standpoint if you're catching you kids doing minor things and they're getting suspended and disciplined, and they know the kids can steal drugs in school and not get disciplined, then, you know, that causes
1: people. How come I'm doing something less? And it's, I taught all that for, 10 years I ran our program, um, you f- you throw a kid out for or suspend them for a small issue and kids get away with major issues that, you know, that doesn't sit well and causes more problems for you.
2: Yeah, in our yeah, district, in our though, district though, the big thing, the thing is that we're trying, that we're to, trying to, find to find a way to make help. Are, are you getting feedback?
0: Yeah, I'm hearing no. that. I'm not sure where it's coming from.
2: Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, it sounds like it's gone now. Anyway, But, yeah, in our district, uh, the big thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to help the kids. Uh, if, if they have a problem, we, we need to help identify it. And if they're not going to come to us and let us know, uh, one thing that the teachers have to do is try to keep our eyes open and see if we can't find some of the signs of a drug use. So if we see a kid who's coming in uh, constantly, you know, with bloodshot eyes and stuff, we report that down to our guidance office. They work on trying to f- figure out whether that kid's on anything, and then tr- we, we try to get them to the help. Uh, there's a little bit of discipline that obviously has to go with that as well, but the, the big thing is if, if these kids are on drugs, they need some help to get back off of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I and I hope in in my discussions, I I, I wonder if at times if I come across as someone who's a a big proponent of drugs, and I'm not, uh, at least not illegal drug use. Uh, but I'm on quite a few ibuprofen lately, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's just to me. There's this interesting balance. We're trying to teach our kids to be uh, to be good citizens. We're trying to teach what it means to uh, have a uh, a role and a responsibility, and trust them as adults. At the same time, we're we're reminding them that uh, you're we own you. You know, your ours, We can we can search you at any time. And of course, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of resistant. To random searches like this uh, on on the interstates, not not drunk driving sobriety checkpoints. I understand that that's putting others at risk, at immediate risk. But you know, there's this, this tension that I think exists between inconveniencing large numbers of people because you want to catch those small numbers of people that may be violating a law.
2: Well, part of that goes into uh, just where the funding from public education comes from it comes from the taxpayer and because of that there are a lot of regulations and rules that get placed on the uh, public schools be it no child left behind or making sure that everyone's safe i mean every school district that you go to now when you sign into the office you can only go straight into the office and you have to sign in you have to turn over this or that in order to get a pass to walk around most times you have to even be escorted around so that that's so different from what it was you know before columbine so yeah. just looking at that that standpoint with all these different things, I mean, it it just takes one person to sue a school district and that affects everybody. So the schools have to do everything they can to try to cover their own butts to make sure that they're not putting themselves at risk and at a liability.
1: Yeah, well, along with that, with the sign-in, our kids aren't allowed to take backpacks down to the rooms with them. Everything stays in their locker. Uh, Cell phones are not allowed to be used. They're supposed to stay in the locker area and locked up in the locker. Um, And we've had issues where We've had things in school and kids have been texting back and forth. And what goes from uh, we've had a couple lockdowns, not very many. We're a small school district, but a student gets sick in the hallway and it transforms from somebody got sick and threw up in the hallway. So they're holding the bell because there's a mess in the hall to somebody died. So <laughs> it's just the God.
0: OK, that that's kind of weird. Apparently, I laughed and Dominic dropped out. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can kind of sort of hear you back there. Yeah, um,
3: better now or not?
0: no? No, I'm, I'm, you got me really curious about what's going on on your end, because, I mean, the fact that Jim and I are both hearing you drop out has me, has me wondering if there's an intermittent connection in your headset, or not your headset, but your microphone somewhere. I will
3: I'm, I'm
0: Oh, okay. So you're running the mic on your camera itself, huh? It's kind of kind of interesting. Well, some of this I think I'll be able to pull out. I'm, I might even leave a lot of this discussion in here because, you, quite frankly, we're three guys that are really interested in using technology in the classroom, and now we're trying to use technology in a way that allows us to be collaborative and to share information. These are the challenges that I know I've experienced in the classroom itself where one person drops out, you can't make the connection. So let's switch gears briefly. Are you guys, what sort of challenges do you face just in day to day, making these things work?
2: Well, my biggest challenge is getting the time that I need in order to do it. Uh, Part of my job is I'm responsible to work with the entire staff to try to give them ideas to uh, help include the technology in their lessons yet i'm only a half-time tech integrator so when i'm trying to work on tech integration stuff i might have a student stop by with uh, questions about math or i might have a a situation where i've just got a lot of paperwork i have to finish for to help uh, fulfill the grant that i don't have time to meet with all the teachers not to mention the fact that i don't have the time to meet with everybody because our common time for meeting isn't there you know i'm teaching when they have their free time or vice versa
1: How's my microphone sounding now? Not to be off topic, but I adjusted a couple settings.
0: Oh, you're back on top. Yeah, there you go, and you're on topic because, quite frankly, we're back. Yeah, you know, we're talking about these challenges in technology right now. So, you, you think you figured this out? You say you, it was a Skype was automatically switching you to manual or to automatic.
1: I I, let, I, I said it that way. I shouldn't have done that, um, and I think that was the problem. because so my speakers were up too too high.
0: And that would explain and the now feedback. Now I can't too.
1: hear you very well, but I have to yeah. adjust that on my own. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, grab uh, well, that, that, grab your iPod headsets. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's what I have in right now.
1: Okay, I can hear you. I can hear you well now. It, okay. We I should have done that in the first
0: place. Uh, so, so, Dominic, what sort of challenges do you see you face with technology in the classroom? Then, I mean, like we're talking about these challenges here, where we just don't quite have all the settings right.
1: Um, it, it's it's hard. I know the grant with with classrooms for the future. It's supposed to be about learning, but because Students. Some of the students don't have, in my district, we have a lot of low-income students. They don't have access to the technology. So for the first year or so, there's going to be a learning curve where it's going to have to focus on the technology and get the kids comfortable with it. And then you have a lot of kids who can use technology. They just don't use it in an educational setting. If you were to send them out to find pictures on the Internet that they're not supposed to see, they could find it. They can get around filters. But if you give them something to do in a classroom, they seem lost. And it's like, well, you know how to do this. You do it all the time, like to find music and to find websites and such. It's now apply it in a you know an educational setting, and it takes a little bit of time for the kids to get comfortable with that.
0: So, so they're just not comfortable using technology in a way that's not fun. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Um, not so much not fun. They don't realize that they know how to do this stuff because they do it socially, but they don't see the connection between what they do at home to, to find a song on the internet. And download it as opposed to doing something in the classroom. We don't have our computers up and running yet. We're a first-year school. So I've been working in the labs as I can, and we're very limited into what we can do with the way our computers are set up. We're working on changing that. So it's a very roundabout fashion to get the kids to to produce uh, multimedia presentations in our school right now. Hopefully that will change once we get the student laptops in.
2: Yeah. And, and it definitely is a growing process. I mean, I was part of it. I'm in, I'm in the third year of the grant now, so we're beyond that point. But that, that whole first year, just trying to get the teachers to even embrace that change, it's, it's challenging. And you have to show them how those things are beneficial to their instruction, saying, look, you can reach more of these kids now. In our first year, there were students that had completely shut down. Once we got the computers and started doing projects where they could create stuff on the computer to show the knowledge that they had, rather than just write a paper, I mean, you, you won so many kids back from the brink and it really helped out with motivation
0: you know up at, up at my level yeah I, I talked to you all before we started recording about some of the things that that i'm doing even at penn state and and i'm finding that when i turn over my my class and i tell the students instead of doing a project in a powerpoint presentation or paper in a powerpoint presentation at the end of the semester i'm going to have you uh, go interview a, a company and do a podcast with that interview an audio interview and tell me in the audio podcast, do the narration and those sorts of things. You know, the first reaction I get from college kids is, you know, no, no, I, I want to do a term paper. You know, I'm very comfortable with the traditional way of doing business, but when they're done, they found that being able to be creative uh, has, has really influenced them quite a bit and they're able to make those connections that I want them to make, which is between the business world and, and the classroom, the, the instructions we're, we're giving them. So it, it is neat to watch people at any age, I think, at this point being able to make that transition from uh, traditional thinking to a more uh, technologically oriented uh, creative mode.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, in, in our district, seeing some of the really veteran teachers who hadn't really changed much of their instruction in the past couple of years, when they got their hands on the technology and were able to have it readily available to them, they were, they, they were reinvigorated as well. So it, it benefits on both ends of the education here.
0: Hey guys, this has been great. You know, when we think about it, we've it looks like we've talked about two different things. You know, drug drug uh, testing or drug searches, and the technology in the classroom. But when we tie it back to to civil liberties and citizenship, I think we're really talking about teaching our kids about how to behave in a society where you're members of a society. And when we start looking at the technologies, we're talking about them interacting. In a social networking sort of way and using technology to go and learn, pull the right things and use the right information to contribute to the greater good. Would you all agree with that?
1: I think you're, you're pretty much right on with that. It, it's a, a mindset that kids have to adjust to that, you know, to, to act appropriately online and use the technology in a proper way versus, you know, how being kind of self-centered and doing what they want without repercussions.
0: Yeah, they can go out and oh, yeah. get the music on their own, but, uh, but now they can go and do, do something better with it.
1: Yes. And Jim? Di- uh, di- digital citizenship, I guess it would be the term you could use.
0: Yeah, that's probably a pretty good term there. And, and uh, Jim, you were going to say?
2: Yeah. Well, the big thing is uh, no matter what it is that we're trying to teach our kids, we're trying to teach them to be appropriate members of society, whether it be with with, uh, not doing drugs or uh, going online and, you know, not downloading the illegal music, actually paying for what you need to pay for, not just taking pictures without getting permission. Or uh, in the case of cell phones, you know, allowing them to have cell phones in school, but teaching them how to use them properly. When's the correct time to use them? When should we have them put away and things like that?
0: And it, I think uh, if you guys would be interested, maybe discussing some of those sorts of things, like uh, the rights of students to have cell phone technology in the classroom would be a great topic for us for another podcast. What do you all think?
2: Absolutely.
1: Yes. That w- I would really be interested in learning more how other schools handle that.
0: Well, if you guys uh – Don't mind, I think we'll wrap this one up. We're about 22 minutes into it, minus some of the technology issues we're going to have to deal with. But I want to thank both of you for for joining me this evening and doing this. Like I say, this will be at theprofessornotes.com. Do you guys want to tell me where, if you guys cross-post, where listeners can go see what you're doing?
2: Uh, Mine's at uh, mrlam.blogspot.com, and that's uh, spelled out, Mr. Lamb M-I-S-T-E-R-L-A-M-B.
0: And what sort of things you have? Real quick, Jim, what sort of things can they find on your on your blog?
2: Um, you can find things about some of the uh, some of the technologies that have been working out in our school district. Uh, some reflections from uh, technology conferences. And uh, right now, my big project is, that I'm starting next is uh, actually including cell phones into my instruction. So I'm going to be blogging about that over the next couple months as well.
0: That sounds pretty cool. Okay, how about you, Dominic?
1: Um, I have a blog. I don't use it very much. Uh, it's educational. And it's on mrsal.edublogs. Um, and I can get you the specific address on how I'm going to cross-post it later. I don't, have it, I don't use it that often. Um, I do more reflection. And whenever I do some in-service and some staff training, I kind of use that as a journal as to what I would change and what went wrong, what, what went right. Uh, I would like to get more student-centered and get my kids more involved with blogging as the year goes on.
0: But they're
1: linked off of that site also.
0: Yeah, I look forward to uh, visiting both of your sites and and seeing the things you guys have going especially comparing a third year in the grant versus a one year in the grant. Thanks again, gentlemen, for joining me here. And this is wrapping up yet another Professor Notes podcast. As you can tell, we had a lot of fun doing that conversation. We enjoy our technology. We struggle with our technology, but we overcome our technology. This has been another professornotes.com podcast presentation and podcast, join us over at Professornotes.com. Join in the comments and the conversations there as we talk about civil liberties, we talk about politics, we talk about all sorts of things to include, well, even recipes for how to make crepes. Until next time, this is Steve Brady. This has been a From the Kitchen Table production.